0: Part One, Chapter Six of *War and Peace* by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. The rustle of a woman's dress was heard in the adjoining room, as though caught napping. Prince Andre shook himself and his face assumed the same expression which it had worn in Anna Pavlovna's drawing room. Pierre set his feet down from the sofa. The princess came in she had already changed her dress for another, a wrapper to be sure, but equally fresh and elegant. Prince André got up and courteously pushed forward an easy-chair. "'Why is it, I often wonder,' she remarked, speaking as always in French, and at the same time briskly and spryly sitting down in the easy-chair, "'Why is it that Annette never married? How stupid you all are, messieurs, that you never married her,' You will excuse me for saying so, but you have not the slightest comprehension of women. What an arguer you are, monsieur Pierre. Your husband and I were just this moment arguing. I cannot understand why he wants to go to war, said Pierre, turning to the princess without any of the embarrassment so commonly shown in the relations of a young man toward a young woman. The princess gave a start, evidently Pierre's words touched her to the quick ah. That is exactly what I say, said she. I do not understand. Really, I do not understand why men cannot live without war. Why is it that we women wish nothing, and need nothing? Now you be the judge. I will tell him just as it is. Here he is adjutant to uncle, a most brilliant position. Everybody knows him, everybody esteems him. The other day, at a Praskin's, I heard a lady asking— C'est la femme ou prison, mes paroles du she began to laugh, and he is received so everywhere. He might very easily be even fliegel adjutant. You know His Majesty talks very cordially with him. Annette and I have talked it all over. It might be very easily arranged. What do you think? Pierre glanced at Prince André, and seeing that this conversation did not please his friend, made no reply to her when are you going he asked ah don't speak of going don't speak of it i do not wish to hear a word of it exclaimed the princess in the same capriciously vivacious tone in which she had spoken to hippolyte it was obviously out of place in the family circle in which pierre was an adopted member to-day when it came over me that i had to break off from all these pleasant relations and then you know andre She blinked her eyes significantly at her husband. J'ai peur, j'ai peur, she whispered. A shiver ran down her back. Her husband looked at her with a surprised expression, as though for the first time he had noticed that anyone besides himself and Pierre had come into the room. Then, with a cool politeness, he addressed his wife inquiringly. "'What is it that you are afraid of, Lisa?' "'I cannot understand,' said he." now how selfish all you men are, all, all selfish. Simply from his own whim, God knows why, he deserts me, shuts me up in the country alone. With my father and sister, don't forget that, said Prince Andre, gently. All alone, just the same, away from my friends, and he expects me not to be afraid. Her tone grew querulous, her lip was lifted, making the expression of her face not mirthful, but repulsive, and like a squirrel's. She paused, as though she regarded it as indecorous to speak of her condition before Pierre, though it was the real secret of her fear. "'And still I do not understand why vous avez Pierre,' drawled Prince André, letting his eyes rest on his wife. The princess blushed, and spread open her hands with a gesture of despair. "'Non, André,' J'ai coups vous avez tellement, tellement changé. Your doctor bids you to go to bed earlier," said Prince Andrei. "You had better retire." The princess made no answer, and suddenly her short downy lip trembled. Prince Andrei, shrugging his shoulders, got up and began to walk up and down the room. Pierre gazed through his glasses with naive curiosity, first at him, then at the princess and made a motion as though he also would get up, but then changed his mind. "'What difference does it make to me if Monsieur Pierre is here?' suddenly exclaimed the little princess, and her pretty face at the same time was contracted into a tearful grimace. "'I have been wanting for a long time to ask you, André, why you have changed toward me so. What have I done to you? You are going to the army. You are not sorry for me at all. Why is it?' "'Lise!' exclaimed Prince André. But this one word carried an entreaty, a threat, and above all a conviction that she herself would regret what she had said. But she went on hurriedly. "'You treat me as though I were ill, or a child. I see it all. You were not so six months ago.' "'Lise, I beg of you to stop,' said Prince André, still more earnestly. "'Pierre,' growing more and more stirred as this conversation proceeded, arose and went to the princess. He could not, it seemed, endure the sight of tears, and he himself was ready to weep. Calm yourself, princess. This is only your fancy, because, I assure you, I myself have experienced, and so, because—No, excuse me, a stranger is in the way. No, calm yourself. Goodbye. Prince Andrei detained him, taking him by the arm. "'No. Stay, Pierre. The princess is so kind that she will not have the heart to deprive me of the pleasure of spending the evening with you.' "'Yes. He only thinks about his own pleasure,' exclaimed the princess, not restraining her angry tears. "'Lise,' said Prince Andrei dryly, raising his voice sufficiently to show that his patience was exhausted.' suddenly the angry squirrel-like expression on the princess's pretty little face changed to one of alarm both fascinating and provocative of sympathy her beautiful eyes looked from under her long lashes at her husband and there came into her face that timid look of subjection such as a dog has when it wags its dripping tail quickly but doubtfully mon dieu mon dieu muttered the princess and gathering up the skirt of her dress with one hand, she went to her husband and kissed him on the forehead. "'Bonsoir, Lise,' said Prince André, getting up and courteously kissing her hand as though she were a stranger. The friends were silent. Neither the one nor the other felt like being the first to speak. Pierre looked at Prince André. Prince André rubbed his forehead with his slender hand. "'Let us have some supper,' said he with a sigh getting up and going to the door they went into the elegant dining-room newly furnished in the richest style everything from the napkins to the silver the faience and the glassware had that peculiar imprint of newness which is characteristic of the establishment of a young couple in the midst of supper prince andrei leaned forward on his elbows and like a man who has for a long time had something on his heart, and suddenly determines to confess it, he began to talk with an expression of nervous exasperation, such as Pierre had never before beheld in his friend. Never, never get married, my friend. This is my advice to you. Do not marry until you have come to the conclusion that you have done all that is in your power to do, and until you have ceased to love the woman whom you have chosen." until you have seen clearly what she is. Otherwise you will make a sad and irreparable mistake. When you are old and good for nothing, then get married. Otherwise, all that is good and noble in you will be thrown away. All will be wasted in trifles. Yes. 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 Don't look at me in such amazement. If ever you have any hope of anything ahead of you, you will be made to feel at every step that as far as you are concerned all is at an end all closed to you except the drawing-room where you will rank with the court lackeys and idiots that's a fact he made an energetic wave of his hand pierre took off his spectacles and this made his face as he gazed in amazement at his friend even more expressive than usual of his goodness of heart my wife continued prince Andre is a lovely woman she is one of those few women to whom one can feel that his honor is safely entrusted but my god what i would not give at this moment if i were not married you are the first and only person to whom i have whispered this and it is because i love you prince andrei in saying this was still less like the bolkonsky who that same evening had been comfortably ensconced in anna pavlovna's easy chairs and murmuring French phrases as he blinked his eyes. Every muscle in his spare face was quivering with nervous animation. His eyes, in which before the fire of life seemed to be extinguished, now gleamed with a fierce and intense brilliancy. It was evident that, however lacking in life he might appear in ordinary circumstances, he more than made up for it by his energy at moments of almost morbid excitability." You cannot understand why I say this to you, he went on. Why, it is the whole history of a life. You talk about Bonaparte and his career, said he, although pierre had not said a word about Bonaparte. You talk about Bonaparte, but Bonaparte, when he was toiling, went step by step straight for his goal. He was free. He let nothing stand between him and his goal, and he reached it. But tie yourself to a woman and your whole freedom is destroyed, as though you were a prisoner in chains. And in proportion as you feel that you have ambition and powers, the more you will be weighed down and tormented with regrets. Drawing-rooms, tittle-tattle, balls, vulgar show, meanness, such is the charmed circle from which it is impossible for me to make my escape. I am now getting ready to take part in the war, in the greatest war that ever was, and yet I know nothing and am fit for nothing je suis très aimable et très coups de coup continued prince andrei and at anna pavlovna they hang upon my lips and this stupid society without which my wife cannot live and these women if you could only know what toutes les femmes and women in general amount to my father is right egotism ostentation stupidity, meanness in every respect. Such are women when they show themselves in their real light. You see them in society and think that they amount to something, but they are not. 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 No. Don't marry, my dear heart. Don't marry, said Prince André, in conclusion. It seems ridiculous to me, said Pierre, that you should regard yourself as incapable— and your life is spoiled. Everything is before you, everything, and you. He did not finish his sentence, but his very tone made it evident how highly he prized his friend, and how much he expected from him in the future. How can he speak so, thought Pierre, who considered Prince André the model of all accomplishments, for the very reason that Prince André united in himself to the highest degree all those qualities that were lacking in Pierre and which more nearly than aught else can express the concept, will-power. Pierre always admired Prince André's ability to meet with perfect ease all sorts of people. His extraordinary memory, his breadth of knowledge, he had read everything, he knew about everything, he had ideas on every subject, and, above all, his powers of work and study— and if Pierre was often struck by André's lack of aptitude for speculative philosophy, which was his own specialty, he at least regarded it not as a fault, but as a sign of strength. In all the best relations, however friendly and simple, flattery or praise is indispensable, just as grease is indispensable for making wheels move easily. Je suis un homme fini, said Prince André. What is there to say about me? let us talk about yourself said he after a short silence and smiling at his consoling thoughts this smile was instantly reflected on pierre's face but what is there to say about me asked pierre his lips parting in a careless merry smile what am i anyway je suis un botard and suddenly a purple flush dyed his cheeks it was evident that he had exerted great effort to say that sense non, sans fortuna, and yet it is true. He did not say what was true. I am free for the present, and I like it. Only I don't know what to take up next. I should like to have a serious talk with you on the subject. Prince André looked at him with kindly eyes, but in his glance, friendly and flattering as it was, there was betrayed the consciousness of his superiority. I am fond of you, Especially for the reason that you are the only living man in all our circle. You are happy. Choose whatever you like, it is all the same. You will be happy anywhere. But there's one thing stop going to those Kuragins and leading their kind of life. That sort of thing does not become you. All those revels, that wild life, and all. Que voulez-vous, mon cher? exclaimed Pierre, shrugging his shoulders les femmes mon cher les femmes i don't understand it replied andre les femmes comme il faut that is another thing but such as have to do with kuragin les femmes et le va i can't understand it pierre had been living at prince vasily kuragin's and had been taking part in the dissipated life of his son anatole the very same young man to whom it had been proposed to marry Prince André's sister, in order to reform him. "'Do you know,' said Pierre, as though a happy thought had come unexpectedly into his mind, "'seriously, I have been thinking about it for some time. Since I have been leading this sort of life, I have not been able to think or to come to any decision. My head aches. I have no money. This evening he invited me, but I did not go.' Give me your word of honor that you will not go with him again. Here's my word on it. End of chapter six.